0: Hi, my name is Hero Bean Stevenson, and you're listening to the All of Us podcast, where we explore and embrace mental health through the simple act of honest conversation. Before we get into it, I'd like to mention that in sharing my personal experiences and insights, I do not claim to be an authority or expert on any of the issues that might come up in the discussion you're about to hear. These conversations include in-depth discussion around various mental health-related topics, the details of which may be triggering to some. So please take care while listening. Finally, thank you for coming and enjoy the episode. This week on the podcast, we have Lion Heron, who honestly is just one of the most beautiful forces of nature I've ever spoken to. He is a cancer warrior and the founder of his clothing brand Lion & Co. During our conversation, we discuss his journey battling cancer, his belief in vulnerability as the greatest form of strength, and most importantly, PMA mentality. Lion was cool enough to take the time to speak with me from the hospital, and just getting to know him, hearing his story and connecting with him inspired me in a way that I really can't describe. All I have to say is keep listening, and I know you'll feel the same. I also just wanted to take a moment to talk about National Suicide Prevention Week, which began yesterday, September 6th. And while this is a nationally recognized week, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that suicide prevention and making support available to anyone who may need it is something that must be taken very seriously every day. You can find resources at suicidepreventionlifeline.org and their 24/7 hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. All right, here's me and Lion. Bye.
1: Yeah, it's definitely trippy. It's crazy. Yeah. Hi. We, we're not we're not doing uh, video recording, correct? We're just
0: doing no, It's just a it's Audio. just a phone. Yeah.
1: Perfect, perfect.
0: Yeah, we're not this this doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: I'm like, eh, I haven't showered in a while, and I'm just you know not not feeling it up here.
0: I mean, who is in this time? It's like really wild. My friend and I were talking about it the other day. We're like, there's really no reason to like feel any of this. And then when you go out, you kind of feel like there's a thing, like grocery store, like you're in the in the world, and then but then you have the mask on, so it's not. There's it's so no beautiful. reason.
1: <laughs> It's so weird. I know. Add that, that, and then just being in a hospital for so long, you feel even more weird. Like going out, you're like, "Am I supposed to be out here?" Like, am I supposed I'm to be sure outside? it's
0: just insane.
1: So you're yeah. nice to meet
0: you. Hey, to
1: meet you. I'm Lion.
0: I'm Hero. Hi. I've That's heard so much I about you. Name. I mean, Hero and Lion. Like, I think we kind of won.
1: Yeah, our parents right? definitely figured it out.
0: I think they did. I really do.
1: They figured it out. It's, did
0: you yeah. ever go through, like, when you were young, did you ever really, like, want a super normal name for a no. sec?
1: Oh, you loved it always? I never, I, it just never, like, occurred to me. Like, I was just, like, yeah, I was just, like, lying. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I, I just, I felt like it suited me from, like, an early age. I was just, like, yeah, I'm just i'm lying that's it so good
0: i always i wish i was i had always liked my name i went through a phase when i was like six of really wanted to be called like lucy or like jane i wanted like a normal normal name
1: yeah i mean i i I get it like i know like a lot of friends with unique names that like when we were kids like they definitely didn't like it but i think but now it's now it's a good thing like wait this is fucking really cool
0: yeah, now I now I love it. Now I love yeah, it.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely way better.
0: As you Where grow you, up,
1: you you grow into the name.
0: Yeah, that's true. You live up to it. Lion. To lion right. and hero. It's a lot to live up to. Where did you grow up? You grew up in in Malibu?
1: Um, half Malibu, half Venice. Okay. So my family my family's uh family's been in LA since the early 1900s. Wow, okay. Um, and so and my great-grandfather was just really, really smart with property investment and a bunch of different things. And so he bought, and he was a developer as well. During like the Kinney days, he was in Venice and Rene Del Rey developing um, like apartment complexes, water, uh, uh, like a water reservoirs and buildings and different stuff like that. And bought a house north of Montana on Alta. And then, uh, bought a place in paradise well bought a he bought a property in malibu about 14 acres at the bottom of canaan overlooking point doom oh uh, cool in 46 and then they moved out there in 47 my uh, my great grandparents and my um, grandma and my great uncle and then they got a place in paradise cove like they were just smart like they weren't wealthy he was just smart smart and and
0: so it's it was such a different time i'm sure now it's
1: like yeah yeah i grew up i grew up in malibu till i was five then moved to santa monica and went to like roosevelt uh elementary till fourth grade and then with all my medical stuff i got i missed so much school my mom held me back because i missed like two years of school just being in the Mm. hospital and then um we moved to venice when i was Six and I lived there till I was 12 roughly and then moved back to Malibu
0: yeah so I've been following your story because you are like it's so awesome you're so public with it and I, like I it's kind of like a lot of what I want to talk to you about is just how open you are and how important um, vulnerability is to you I think that we're like very much the same in that belief I think it's amazing um, but I didn't know that kind of like in doing a little bit of research for like this discussion I realized that this has been hap- going on since you were 4.
1: Yeah, so my my first uh first surgery was a desmoid tumor on my left hip um which for people who don't know it's they're a uh, non-malignant masses, so they're non-cancerous masses, mm-hmm. but they attack the body as as a cancer would. So the term, like, there's, like, the ongoing joke in the medical world where they call them non-malignant malignancies because okay. they're not cancerous tumors that attack the body as a cancer would, um, but I had my first one at four, uh, and we, my mom didn't think much of it, and um, then I had a hernia at, like, five, and again, just didn't really think much of that, and then um, around six, I started kind of developing these really bad stomach pains, and i um, I started like uh, having blood in my poop and stuff like that. And my stomach would just kill me. And, you know, we would go to just like regular doctors and they're like, Oh, you know, don't eat eat peanuts because it's cutting your stomach or don't eat Mm. corn or don't eat this. Like weird, like, you know, no one really, it's a kid, you know, you're a seven year old kid. You don't really think of the, the worst case scenario. You just think that something, you know, maybe you're eating something that's causing this blood and the stomach pain. Um, and after a couple of months of that, like if, if it just progressively getting worse, my mom finally was like this, something's really wrong. I'm, I need to find this out. And so she picked up a Yellow Pages and just found gastroenterology um, at UCLA and took me in to go do a, uh, um, an upper and lower scope, like a um, endoscopy and sigmoidoscopy so they can look inside my stomach and intestines. And what was supposed to be like a 30-minute procedure ended up being like two and a half hours. And they found thousands and thousands of cancerous polyps lining my whole large intestine and colon, which they deemed stage four colon cancer. Um, And with, you know, they, they pretty much like you need to do emergency surgery to remove the large intestine colon. And in 1999, you know, there wasn't that much knowledge on it there wasn't that much information. Obviously there wasn't the internet where you could just go search everything. Um, and my mom's biggest fear was, you know, is my child going to be able to live a normal life without this vital organ in his body? And so she kept postponing the surgery and, um, you know, we did homeopathic medicine. Uh, we tried Eastern medicine, uh, dietary stuff. Like I was on a crazy, crazy diet as a child, like, um, this homeopathic diet of like, uh, like ezekiel sprouted bread papaya almond butter no dairy no was money. it
0: like ayurvedic like no wheat sugar or dairy
1: pretty much yeah yeah and so i was on that and like i you know i lost a lot of weight prior just because of the, like what we were trying to do to try to you know rid the cancer and where i'm 100 percent open to all types of medicine and i always have been my entire life
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and healing i've worked with a lot of healers and Uh, mediums and uh, I'm a very spiritual person and open to a lot of different things the cancer was just too far past the point of reversal um doing it that way Mm -hmm. and it they came to a point where the surgeon literally pulled my mom aside and was like if you don't do the surgery like your son's gonna die and like it's gonna be your fault and so we ended up doing the surgery um in 1989 when i was seven I removed my whole large intestine and colon and then it got infected and they had to do a colostomy bag um where they disconnect your small intestine from your rectum and you have to uh go to the bathroom out of your stomach with a bag and 98 percent of the time it's non reversible like once you do that you're stuck with that for the rest of your life yeah um and Fortunately, the person that performed the surgery—it's called a J-pouch surgery—was mm-hmm. the one who invented the surgery. Oh wow! He like he was like seventy or eighty years old, um, and this crazy surgery where they take your small intestine um, since you're you're missing, you know, a large intestine and colon, which is a massive muscle in your in your um, digestive tract. Mm-hmm. They make a small incision in your, in your small bowel and they fold it back over and then they stretch it down and, and kind of angle it like a J and then back down to the rectum. And it acts okay. like this pseudo colon muscle. And fortunately it, uh, it, it worked. And wow. so I was able to, you know, relatively have somewhat of a, you know, a normal stomach in comparison to having a colostomy bag. Right. Um, and that was in 2000 when I was, when I was eight. And then, just uh, from what we learned, forward going forward from that is that my body creates. Uh, uh, I develop desmoid tumors from trauma and incisions. So every time you cut into my body, um, a desmoid tumor will grow in that location. So I have a ninety-nine percent regrowth rate on uh, trauma, and so is that
0: is that rare?
1: Very, very rare.
0: It's
1: very rare. Okay. Rare. So so I have a a genetic mutation that I was born with. That's just. Um, it's a really rare disease uh, called FAP, Familial automosis Polyposis, um, and it's a, a missing or mutated gene in the DNA strand, and it's called the APC gene. Is the one gene that controls all the cell growth in your body. So it's pretty much like um, uh, it's like I don't have I don't have a cap on the way my body produces uh, cells, whether good or bad. So okay. they just they mass produce, and that. Create, you know, causes these tumors or like the colon cancer and whatnot, and um, all these different things. So, from that, I created this ginormous tumor that again was misdiagnosed as scar tissue for a couple of years. Then, finally, um, I did an MRI and we found that I had this ginormous tumor in my stomach uh, from pelvic bone to pelvic bone. It was about 20 centimeters and about six pounds. So, it was like the size of like a Nerf football. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that was pretty wild. And I did chemo for a long time, a bunch Mm -hmm. of different stuff. I worked with a lot of healers. And again, um, homeopathic medicine, we got the tumor to shrink um, almost 60% within like the first six months. And then out of nowhere, everything that I was doing just stopped working and the tumor just started growing rapidly, even on the chemo. And it it got to a point where I was almost stable for a long time, for a couple of years. And I was living life normally like I grew up in the ocean, my mom, you know, brought me to the beach every day from literally three weeks old till I had to go to school. And um, I would, I, I, you know, the ocean's been like a, a massive saving grace for me and um, a big part of my life. And surfing, you know, that was a massive thing for me as a child and then through my adolescence and through all my, all my uh, hospital visits, you know, my number one thing that I wanted the most was being in the ocean. And, uh, and so I was able to continue to surf, go to school, do everything, stay active. And then the tumor continued to grow slowly. And it got to the point where I started crushing my organs and, uh, it was deemed inoperable by multiple surgeons in Los Angeles. Uh, and that pretty much, there was nothing that we could do. And it was just pretty much like, you know, make peace and say goodbye. How uh, old were you at that point? I was, uh, I was 15 okay but i look at it and i'm very grateful my mom never told me that you know they they said that to my parents that mm. like, you know this tumor is is uh it's to the point where it's extremely life-threatening and it's you know relatively like a terminal this is a terminal tumor you know this isn't gonna work we found a specialist in cleveland um and we went and met with them, and he was like yeah no easy I'm like no worries i got this like we can do the surgery and um was this amazing doctor from from new zealand dr church and he uh we went out to the cleveland clinic in ohio and and he did this miraculous surgery and removed this six pound tumor from my stomach and all my abdominal muscles came out with it and pretty much my whole stomach just removed Mm like you know other than the organs obviously and they replaced it with this um it's like a mesh type um, filler. It's called Alloderm. And okay. they take your muscles where they either, um, they cut out or from where they cut out and they they uh, stretch them and sew it to this mesh. And over time, your muscles grow back in. So it kind of mm-hmm. like it guides the muscles to grow back together. Okay. And, uh, so I did a couple of reconstruction surgeries on that and then had another tumor removed from my stomach again, later a smaller one. And um, another one from my... My left tip, where it grew, in that same location, and uh, and then a lot of biopsies uh, on on all my tumors, just trying to do stuff. And then uh, had a long period where I was really healthy, where you know it felt like everything was um, going well. And then uh, I kind of neglected doctors for a while and kind of went down a dark path, um, just because I I felt like I never had an opportunity to be a kid.
0: Yeah, of course. I,
1: I did grow up really quick and deal with a lot of situations most people wouldn't um, have to deal with at a young age. And so I felt like I lost a lot of my youth. And so for a good four years, I just wanted to live and not have to deal with anything and not have to have that in my mind. And that's what I did. And I, you know, made a lot of stupid decisions and and like I said, went down kind of a dark path and and Neglected going to see the doctor for a long time, and finally.
0: How did um? How did the people around you deal with that? I think like obviously, um, on one end like it probably was super scary, but then again like you have this kid that's been unable to be a t- a kid, let alone a teen, and you're growing up with like by the ocean. It's such this like beautiful childhood that you feel like you're probably missing, and then all of a sudden you have this kind of hiatus from from all the surgeries where you're able to do that. So I'm sure on one end, it was super scary for the people around you, but then on the other end, like, how can you not kind of let that happen? So how, did, how was that for your, for your family and the people? Um,
1: I mean, in the, be- in the beginning of it was, you know, nothing was really showing. So it was like, you know, it's like, okay, like we've made it, we've, we were, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. Like I'm, there's mm. nothing going on. And it was like, okay, like I finally get to live my life. And so it was this big relief for, you know, the first say two years. I mean, you know, I would go to check in, you know, checkups like once a year with my oncologist or two twice a year and just, just get the bare minimum done. um, And, uh and yeah, it was, it was just like this feeling of like relief. Like finally I get to live, you know, like I I, I 18 I I went over and lived on Kauai for a couple months with my you know my best friend that's from there and and uh and just finally got to just be be a kid a young you know young adult um and like I said like I I just kind of strayed away from this positive kind of lifestyle that I had developed for myself as a as a younger um as a teenager and whatnot um and just kind of did stupid things to my body and just drinking and and drugs and whatnot it, it was stuff mm-hmm. that I didn't get to do as a kid so it was just, it was like this cooped up feeling of you know always being told you can't and now right man so I'm going to
0: I'm sure but, also there was this kind of thing where like it was such a relief to be able to like even when I'm sure it, like obviously teenagers can be super stupid but I'm sure even your peers were probably like took on a little bit of like a like a parental caution role where they were like, holy fuck, like let's maybe not let him do this stuff. And I'm sure you yeah. kind of wanted to be normal and be like, fuck you guys. I can do it. I'm yep. gonna do
1: it. Yeah. That, uh, that's exactly a lot of situations where people be like, like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, what are you gonna you gonna take it away from me? Like yeah. you're gonna you're gonna be the <laughs> one to top. stop me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was, and and then I would you know I'd would, I'd would pull, and and for majority of my life, like there was like I said there was those 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 handful of years that were kind of like zero dark thirty where there was just not a lot of thinking going on. But for mm-hmm. the most part of my life, I've been this very positive you know very healthy um, and focused person, and. And you know, I never would play the the guilt card, um, or try not to. I mean, I think there was times in my youth that I did play it, but not like it was very far and few between that I would ever do that. You know, I really tried to just be positive and happy and everything like that. And then during those those few years, I would, you know, play the the guilt card and and make people feel like when they would tell me, you know, no, or you shouldn't be doing this, or like you know, what would your mom think or all this stuff? And I was like, you have no fucking idea what I've gone through. So don't fucking tell me what I can and can't do.
0: Yeah. And I was like,
1: I was like, either I'm going to do it with you, or I'm going to do it with someone else. So would you rather be the person I do it with that you at least I know and trust? Yeah. Or do you want me to go do it with someone that's not a good person? Yeah. So I would I would use that. and, And it's like, you know, very shameful to look back on that. But 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 how
0: could you not have felt that way? And I'm sure, like, you, with the kids that were probably telling you, like, maybe you shouldn't do that, your life experience at that point, I'm sure you felt like an old, like, sage, like, you had so much wisdom on these people (laughs) that you were like, fuck, That like, you're gonna, you're gonna tell me that, like, this is dangerous, you don't know what danger is, like.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I've I've experienced so much, like, I, I I would almost use this like seniority like Totally over them like I'm like yeah like I've done this I've been through this like I can handle any of this shit and yeah um, and I'm
0: sure also you were like my body is doing more dangerous things to me all the time than this is ever gonna compete with like this has no competition to what my body is doing so exactly, like
1: exactly exactly yeah. and Yeah. And I, and I played into it very, very deeply. Um, And finally, my mom, you know, my mom had me really young. So we're very close in age. And we have a lot of mutual friend, like friend groups and friends. And, um, you know, I would be, you know, drinking, doing drugs, some of the people that, you know, she grew up with, because we're only 17 years apart. It's, you know, it's a very kind of close gap to where you, you're hanging out with all these people and and uh and yeah so like it, it would kind of get back to my mom all the time that what I was doing and and she didn't want to uh you know say something because I don't know she I guess in a sense she just wanted me to kind of figure it out for myself um and then it just it just got to the point where I feel like I might've needed a little bit of help and a little bit of push, um, to get out of that. And, and like I said, like I neglected going to the doctor for a long time. So finally my mom just was like, we need to, we need to go and just go do our, you know, the normal tests that we needed, that we always do and just see what's going on with your body and whatnot. And, um, we, uh, went in, did tests and found that I had another large tumor (laughs) and, Drinking and doing drugs definitely didn't help it. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't, I can't, it I can't
0: imagine that was the
1: uh, that was a very like helpful thing, yeah. No, so I, and the, the, the crazy thing is that even finding that out didn't really slow me down from what I was doing, it almost kind of ramped it up a little bit more because then I was angry that you know. I'm and at that, how old like, were you at that point? Around like 19. 20. right so i'm sure you were
0: just like exhausted
1: from all yeah, i mean you were just like fuck. you just and also too like i wanted to just let go of that let go of all those not let go of the experiences and not have them but just put them in a dark corner and not look at mm. them
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know put them on time out and and just you're you're away and um and you know going and having to find that out kind of brings back a lot of memories and relives a lot of different things that you don't want to have to go through. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. It, and finally around 21, 22, you know, we kept going to the doctor, the tumor would kind of stay dormant for a little bit then it would grow or stay dormant. You know, we'd go in and, and check on it from time to time, a couple of times a year. And then it started growing and it started becoming more dangerous. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and my mom just put her foot down. I was uh 22 and she's like, you know, we need to start a treatment and you need to clean up your act and get your body ready for this treatment. And you can't be drinking or doing drugs while you're doing, you know, while you're doing these treatments and whatnot. And, and so she's like, I need you to just, you know, be sober for these things. And I honestly didn't expect myself to stay sober. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was like, okay, like I need to clean my body for um, the time being so I can get through this and then I can go back to living my life again. Um, But I found that a lot, you know, I found that when I stopped drinking and doing drugs, uh, my mom instead of putting me in like a rehab or anything like that, she sent me to this place in San Diego called Optimal Health Institute. I went down there when I was 15 for three weeks and it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And then I went- My back. mom's
0: gone through that a ton of times. It's true. She had nothing like yours, but she went through, I think five years with cancer and OHI has been a very big part of her, like sobriety health and her cancer health. She's all good now, but it's very familiar.
1: Yeah, OHI is yeah. phenomenal. Um, and so instead of instead of going to you know a treatment center she sent me there to go cleanse everything out of my body and the wheat grass which it exactly did within a week i'd lost because i kind of like started to get chubby and i was just kind of swollen from drinking all the time and i like i said like i was drinking and and doing a lot of a lot of drugs and Mm -hmm. I was in a very dark place and i didn't see it then but i saw it post um kind of where I was in my life and in my mindset and how I just hated myself and I hated a lot of different things and and doing all that was a big mask to kind of you know make myself funny because I didn't I couldn't you know I didn't like anything about me you were Um,
0: compensating you were finding you were like latching on to something
1: yeah I mean you 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 fill the void by doing these things, and it numbs a lot of pain that you have and it, and it shuts a lot of, you know, things you hear in your head off. Um, and, you know, it, it makes those insecurities go away. And all of a sudden, you're talkative, and you're funny, and, and, um, and you're the life of the party, you know, because mm-hmm. you're the stupid drunk one, or you're the one that has the drugs, or whatever it may be. It, you know, you're just, all of a sudden, you're the people that, you're the person that people want to be around, but it's the wrong people you want around you. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I, I got sober for these treatments and, uh, and as soon as I stopped drinking, and doing drugs, I, I realized how much I depended on it. Um, and so I started to just, I went to AA meetings, um, just, you know, I had a lot of friends that were sober my mom was sober my stepdad was, and and a lot of people around me in my life were sober and and so it was almost like a welcoming party because I knew so many people there already yeah and it was it wasn't like that cliche where like you go into a meeting and someone um tells your story or anything like that it was just i felt like I felt like they knew me already
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they accepted me and and um and yeah i just felt like i felt like yeah i i heard i heard a lot of similarities that made me realize that maybe i did have more of an issue than i thought i did and that i was going down um a really dark path and and fortunately enough you know by the grace of a higher power if you want to call it god you can call it god or you can call it whatever you want um and and you know my higher powers will I've been sober for almost um I'll be I'll have six years November 1st
0: good for you man that's amazing
1: yeah it's It's so
0: it's so crazy and it's so amazing and like as somebody that like I was a baby running around in the meetings like in the rooms I fully like that's my it's my space and like I I know how big of a big of a struggle that is and also how big of a saving grace it is and i think it's such a beautiful thing so it
1: really is yeah it's given me um yeah it's given me a a very beautiful life with a lot Mm -hmm. of beautiful things in it and um a lot of amazing opportunities to uh to and it's given me tools to get through situations like i'm in right now you know it's totally and yeah it's i'm just i'm a very very grateful human being um, to have the life that I have today. It's amazing. So
0: how, how long ago was at the time that you had done, you were doing this treatment, you got sober for this treatment. And then when was that?
1: Um, that was in 2014. So I was, I was 22. And, um, and unfortunately the treatment didn't work. The tumor continued to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I tried another, I tried this chemo after that. uh, That got the tumor to kind of get more stable. And, you know, I would do that for three months on, one month off, three months on, one month off. And I did that for about a year. And the tumor kind of found some stability and stopped growing. And um, the side effects of the chemo were pretty strong. So I decided to stop and just kind of monitor my, you know, what was going on in the body and the tumor growth and whatnot. And it stayed dormant uh, off the chemo for a good amount of time. And then, you know, it started to grow and then I'd go back on it and I did that on and off for a couple of years. And, um, and then, you know, in 2018 um, I went down to Mexico and did some treatments in Mexico um, that you know, seemed to have worked. It was some stuff that's not approved by the FDA. And well, like I said before, like I've done a lot of Eastern medicine as well. Like I've, I, I skipped a big part. I went to Germany after um, I had that tumor removed in my stomach in 2007 and,
0: mm-hmm. and did
1: stem cell therapy and um, immunotherapy. Is that the
0: spinning, like the plasmas? The yeah. Spin, okay.
1: Yeah. So I did that back in 2007 in Germany. And, um, and then I went back again in 2008 where they injected it into the, the site from where the tumor was mm-hmm. to, um, to stop growth of a new tumor, of any any new tumors, um, which it, it held, you know, held off for, I don't know, a good five, six years, which it could have grown back within the first year. So that was, that was really big. Um, yeah. Like I said, I went down to Mexico and did some stuff that, you know it's it's a stage stage three trial so it's on on humans on, on a lot of people and and it's working and um it seemed to have worked for me and like it's, like on top of that you know they're doing um you're doing uh why am i blanking on it right now you're doing ozone so they take out all they take out a lot of blood mm-hmm. they uh they inject it with uh o3 air which is air from the from outside the atmosphere or like, in, our, like yeah, in the outside, it's almost like space air. Which means yeah. the blood significantly, and then they run it through ultraviolet light, and then it injects back into you. I fortunately had a porticath in my chest, and so okay. it wouldn't go into my veins, so I didn't have to feel that burn, mm. which is really nice and, and a lot easier. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I? Yeah, so I would do like um, hyperbaric chamber as well. Yeah. Um, what else would I do? I was doing, you know, and then you'd have to do something called the Gershon diet, which is, or Gershon therapy, which is this crazy diet. Um, a lot of starches, low, no starches and proteins. And it's this really crazy diet and like coffee enemas three times a day even though i don't have a colon it's like i was that was kind of struggling for me because you have a vascular system that runs from your colon to your liver so it speeds up um speeds up the detox of your liver by mm. like 5 to 10% because you have a your body cycles everything um into your liver every 5 to 10 minutes so you'd have to do you have to hold it for 15 minutes in because you get three cycles and it would suck out toxins out of your liver faster Okay. Yeah. Crazy. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So it's <laughs> the same thing done at OHI. They make, I, I didn't do it because I don't have a colon, but for yeah. many patients, they do wheatgrass enemas because wheatgrass mm-hmm. is the strongest superfood in the world. Um, in my opinion, uh, and that's just mine. And, uh, and it, uh, cleans your liver and heals the liver. It helps break down a lot of scar tissue in the liver and it helps again, pull the toxins out faster and um, help uh, rejuvenize the liver and keep your body flowing and working in a lot more optimum health. You, you, you they, they teach you a lot down there um, about food combining, you know, what you should and shouldn't, should and shouldn't be eating together. Um, you have to drink 64 ounces of water every day, which is half your body weight in water to consistently keep your body minimally hydrated. That's what we're supposed to drink every day is half our body weight in ounces um, in water every day. Mm. Uh, and then you drink something called quinoa rejuvelac, which is a fermented quinoa water, which is a probiotic that helps your gut flora flourish and get back into uh, into normalcy. And it's also um, very alkaline as well. And then you eat completely raw. Everything is... Raw and it's grown in their garden, and their garden's been organic for over thirty years. So it's you know generations of of this organic soil and and this food and, and you know a lot of juicing and and like you literally when I went down there when I got sober, I came into the program there. I was about like one hundred ninety eight pounds and just bloated and just just felt and looked like shit. And yeah. I left six days later, and I was 165 pounds, and completely just everything had gone out of me. Within yeah. six days, I had lost over 30 pounds and just cleansed my body. Like,
0: And I'm sure like that people don't understand, I think because this is, I'm someone who also like on my own time reads a lot about Eastern medicine, and it's something that's really interesting to me and kind of like holistic forms of health. And People don't understand um, how dangerous inflammation is and mm-hmm. how much like our Western habits, like not everybody here, but like how much that it's such like a, it perpetuates inflammation. Like what we eat, what oh. we do, how much we like sit at a desk, everything just kind of like the, our lifestyles over here, like really like but it's like a production of it's like a machine of like creating inflamed people and that's like the at the root of like all disease is inflammation
1: oh it's insane how unhealthy our country is is mind-boggling like if you go to europe you will never hear of a gluten allergy yeah because there's no gluten allergies in europe it's it's gluten allergies is developed by our mass production and and just just the shit that we pump into our foods and whatnot, and it's it's just you know it's it sucks and it's sad and it's you know a lot of it's to make a dollar, you yeah. know and how to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time, yeah, um, and produce the most amount of uh, produce and whatnot in the least amount of time I and mean, how many times can you harvest a year and whatnot, but uh yeah it, it just it's just being conscious of your body and conscious of your health and and like you said what you put into your body and how much that makes a difference you know i've seen people i've personally seen people beat stage four cancer with six weeks to live just by diet Mm. like i've watched them you know i've heard their testimonies i've spoken to them i've shook their hand it's it's truly remarkable that yeah you know, our bodies are made to heal themselves. Like that's what we were we we're intended to do if we give it the right fuel to do so. Um and unfortunately, you know, we don't make a lot of money in this country and and you know, and there's cheap food and that cheap food's very unhealthy. Mm. So you have to, you know, like we're between a rock and a hard place. You know, totally. Organic, healthy food's really expensive, and not a lot of people have the financial means to go and purchase that. Yeah. And it's sad because that's what we should be eating, and how healthy our country would be, and you know there wouldn't be obesity, and you know how lazy a lot of people. You know, I'm not pinpointing one person or one part of the country or. No, anything, it's a
0: collective it's, thing. Yeah, yeah collective
1: as a whole is. Like you said, like how much we sit at a desk, how much we're hunched over, how much we look at a commuter screen, how little we walk, how little we exercise, how bad we eat, um, you know, how much stress we have. A lot of different things attribute to just this, this combined unhealthiness, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be mental, physical, spiritual, it's just a, it's a spiral effect of, of you know, everything coming together in a perfect storm to create what the country's in today
0: yeah so like you you had said that um like you're a really spiritual guy and like the ocean for example has been a really big like the big saving grace like for your mental health and then like you're obviously very in tune with your with like what you put into your body so I want to know like what have been some things kind of like throughout your experience that you've kind of like implemented and that have been really kind of like sacred to you in terms of maintaining your mental health during this insane journey that you've been on like what do you what are your practices
1: um my first and foremost thing that I always do is acceptance Mm. no matter how difficult how hard um how scary how painful whatever it may you know whatever the situation is the first thing to accomplishing that battle is to accept it, Mm -hmm. to know where you are and to know that no matter what I, what I do, this isn't going to go away. You know, I can't run from this situation. This is inside my body. This is something that if I run away, it's just going to get worse. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I found that out in the past and I've learned from my mistake. And so Today, I, uh, you know, I'm better about it than I was when I was younger, Um, but I still implemented it back then was just acceptance, you know, it's accepting what's going on and that I know that there's nothing I can do to change the situation. Mm
0: -hmm. So I
1: just need to accept it, know that this is what's going on and this is what I'm going to have to come up against and prepare myself for it. And then the second thing that I think is so important is, is feeling every emotion that comes through my body, you know, and not hiding from it. Um, I think when I was younger, I had a lot of insecurities with um, whether it be physical insecurities from having these scars or tumors or, you know, how my body, you know, developed after being on chemo for so long, you know, it changes your physical form and your hormones in your body. And, and, you know and when when your kids you know kids are the most amazing thing, but they can also be very mean because they're brutally honest, yeah, and there's a lot a lot of you know uh judgment and different things and so, as a kid, I was very insecure about uh myself, and so i would, I felt like I had to hide a lot of emotion, not just to friends but to myself, you know because i need I felt like I had to be this like strong uh force to get through all this stuff where what I've learned now is that I don't need to be as strong. I need to be more open to what emotions coming through my body. Totally. So, and that is strength in itself. I think Exactly. It really is. Like if I'm scared, like I'm going to tell you that I'm scared. I'm not going to be like, I'm not, no, I'm, I got this. It's fine. It's like, no, I, I'm truly scared right now. I really am. And I'm going to feel this and I'm going to sit with this and I'm going to, You know, I'm going to resonate with what my feeling is and my emotion is right now. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just let that come into my body and then I'm not going to harbor it and I'm going to let it pass through me, you know, whether that's an hour, 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it may be. But ultimately every emotion, every feeling, every experience that we go through in life is temporary, right? You know, life yeah. itself is temporary. Or this physical form is just a temporary um, holding cell for my spirit to get to the next lifetime. Totally. And so when you look at it like that, it makes things a lot easier, whatever you're going through in life, you know, whatever it is. And I can't attest to everyone because everyone's life is different and everyone's unique in their own way. And and um, you know, certain people have a lot harder roads than others and and um but that's just how i personally get through my stuff is Mm. is um yeah if i'm if i'm sad or if i'm angry you know i'm not going to harbor those emotions and and use them as grudges or anything like that i'm just going to feel them you know if i'm angry i'll scream into a pillow
0: if i'm sad i'm
1: gonna cry yeah you know if if i'm if I'm fearful, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, hold on to my mom or my fiance or my dad or yeah, 28 years old, I'll go hold on to my dad's hand and tell that I'm scared. I'm yeah. scared like a five year old child. And it's okay. And- yeah, it's,
0: it's so funny how we're taught that, like, there's this binary between vulnerability and like toughness, because at the end of the day, vulnerability is the end, and being able to show it is the just the kind of like most radical form of being tough and strong
1: 100 percent. it's you know it's that right there is the person that's open Mm -hmm. you know they and i like to my i like to think of myself as that because you know i i just i just want and like i always portray via social media with everything that i go through in my vulnerability through that Mm -hmm. i just want everyone to know that like no matter what you go through you can be your honest, truthful self. You know, I don't have to put up this front. Like I'm some strong man that goes through all these hardships and nothing phases me and, and, you know, be like this strong person. And it's like, no, no,
0: I'm yeah. human
1: just like you're human. I have, I have blood and I have flesh and, and I, you know, and and I bruise and I cut just like you do. And and, when, and I want everyone to know that, like, we can get through anything that life throws at us. It might take a little bit longer. Sometimes it might be shorter. But as long as we accept what it is first, feel the emotion that comes along with that. And then look at it and be like, okay, hey, this is temporary. Mm-hmm. I can get through this. You know, and I've said this before to a lot of people, you know, a lot of people close to me. It's like, you never know what's around that next turn. You know, the next, the next bump in this lifetime or this next hurdle, you don't know what, what's, uh, what's coming. You know, there could be the biggest most amazing blessing that could come into your life. But if you give up, you'll never make it.
0: Yeah, completely.
1: There's always like that terminology. It's like, to finish first, first you have to finish. Mm -hmm. So it's making it to the end, you know, the best that we possibly can. There's never going to be a right way. There's never going to be a wrong way. You know, there's, there's just different experiences.
0: Yeah. I think that you're um, like, you're kind of taking to like different platforms to kind of like express your vulnerability and your acceptance and that ethos around your whole journey is, has been so amazing. And like, I think it's made, like, I don't, we don't know each other, and, like, my journey is so much different than yours, but because of your willingness to put it all out there, like, this, like, this, like, random girl you don't know who's going through, like, very, very different things, guys can, like, I've definitely, like, felt so much resonance with you, and we don't know each other, and I think, like, that, and, like, I'm sure if, like, I feel it, I'm, whoever else is, but, like, whoever else you've kind of like garnered as this like amazing following Has also felt the same way and I think it's so amazing and I wanted to ask you um with like you sharing on your Instagram and then I know you you have Lion Co which Mm -hmm. is your your company um I wanted to ask like when you kind of decided to really like when you recognize that as like a really beautiful platform and when you decided to kind of do more with it like with starting your company
1: um, to be completely honest, my yeah. fiance was the brainchild behind that. The biggest motivation, like there wouldn't be Lion Co. There wouldn't be of you know a website where I can sell my photography. There wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for her. So first, mm. I first and foremost, like one hundred percent credit goes to her, hands down. Huge the- shout out. But seriously though like that that woman lit a fire into my ass and then showed me how to do these things like things that I had no idea how to how to do and she continues she just texted me just now another design that she's designing and she has no graphic design experience but she's designed half the clothes that we've put out and I'm like so rad just the she is one of my biggest inspirations in the world because mm-hmm. like that woman is so badass and like so strong and to go through everything that I put her through or my disease has put her through um, in this past year, like to see how strong she's, you know, she stayed through all of it and how supportive it's, that to me is, is strength and, you know, true beauty in being able to, you know, continue to stay calm through this hurricane you know, this this tropical depression that's going on in our lives. Really? Um, and for her to come up with this, it's amazing. But, you know, what we wanted to do was create, initially, it was, it was to just have a passive form of income to help um, pay bills while I was in the hospital and while I'm not able to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that kind of snowballed into well okay let's make this less about a merch company and more about a clothing brand um and now it's turning into like let's make this like a streetwear brand with you know like just relaying the message that i try to portray every day um but in wearable products that you know aren't dorky or aren't stupid or aren't like these like weird just like you know quotes all over them or whatever it is I want something like i want something that is rad that has style but still represents who i am and what i embody um and you know with just the first thing that we did the positive mental attitude like that's from my favorite punk band in the world the bad brains it was you know i've got that attitude i got that pma it's positive mental attitude you know portraying that like no matter what goes on in life like I have a positive mental attitude and that is my, 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 my like striving, like motivation. Is just, no matter what it is, just if I keep my positive mental attitude going, everything else will follow. It'll follow suit. And it's like, and I have PMA tattooed on my wrist. It's something I look at every day. Um, and then putting that on shirts. And it's funny, like I, I've seen it, you know, from big brands in the past and you can't, I don't feel like you can trademark it. I don't, would never trademark it. That would be the most selfish, self-centered thing to ever do because (laughs) it's something that should be pushed out there. And it's so rad, like during this whole pandemic and everything that's been going on with, you know, every, all the madness that's been in the world, I've been seeing it more and more and more from different brands. And I'm just stoked that people are trying to portray a positive message. Yeah. Whether they believe it or not, or whether it's, you know, uh, a marketing uh, standpoint, it's just we're trying to promote more positivity. Totally. And that's kind of all I want is just to promote that. And then, yeah. Well, so that's what a the- beautiful
0: ethos. I'm so happy for you guys. Honestly, congrats on being engaged. That's such a huge deal. And just like every part of it to me is like so, so inspiring and so amazing. And I think that the way that you're able to to talk about it and to articulate like your whole, your whole journey and your ethos through all of it is so beautiful. So thank you so much for, for taking the time
1: to talk to me. Oh, 100%. I, that was a pleasure of mine. Like anytime that I have an opportunity to relay my message to others, um, to try to give hope or strength or inspiration um, and with, with whatever you're dealing with, it doesn't matter if you're, just broke up with your with your significant other and you're in the dumps. If I can just give you the slightest bit of motivation to to get outside, then I feel like my job is done for the day. Or if I if someone's battling cancer and I give them strength to to go into that chemo um, or radiation or whatever it is that they're going through in life, if I can just give them that little bit more confidence or strength or anything then I'm doing the right thing and my purpose is being fulfilled in this life because I truly believe that I was put on this planet to help others and to give hope and to give strength and inspiration. And that's all I really want to do. So thank you so much for the opportunity to um, to talk and to tell my story.
0: Of course. Yeah. I want you to know you've motivated me so many times and we didn't even know each other. And now it's such an honor to know you and to be able to to look at you and and have this kind of more personal interaction. It's so amazing. So thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome. Well, I hope to talk to you soon.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Bye. Know.